Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. So with that being said, let's start today's lesson. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In fact, would you do this for me? If this is the first time you're watching, I, I ask folks that are watching to type in the comments because what it does, it just uh, it recruits one more sense uh, of your five senses to hear and listen. You know, you're watching, you're listening, and then when you start typing, then you've added in touch. So if you would, type this in the comments. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. If that's your prayer, type in the comments. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, or I do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit, whichever flows better for you. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Iceman167, first time here. Glad that you're here, Iceman. Come join us, be a part of the faithful. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I see Olivia typing it in. That's exactly right. Candace says, what does that mean? Well, Candace, you're in the right spot today. Stick around and enjoy the Bible study because we're going to talk exactly about what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Hey, Laura, glad that you're on. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's begin in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 25, and I'm going to read from 25 verse 32. I see you putting that in the comments now. God bless you. That is our prayer. Verse 25 of Ephesians 4. If you want to read along with me, grab your Bible. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. Verse 28, New Territory. Let him who steal, stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So after we see in verse 25, 6, and 7, we see we're to put away lying. We're not to anger unto sin. We shouldn't anger unto sin. We shouldn't allow anger to hit us so strongly that we sin. And we should give no place to the devil. Then in verse 28, we see some more instruction. The Bible is so practical. It is so practical. Verse 28 says this, let him who stole steal no longer. Notice what redemption does. This is just one example of what the power of salvation and the power of redemption does in the life of a person. The very person that was a thief, verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. 
Now think about it. Natural laws, natural law, you know, governments, uh, kingdoms, parliaments, city ordinances, county councils, they can pass laws. And the law essentially is you do not perform this action, you don't do this thing, you don't cross this line. If you do, there's a consequence for it. And a just law system, a just uh, system of law, would give an appropriate consequence for the law that's broken. And when a system of quote-unquote justice does not, does not retribute or give what is appropriate for the consequence of breaking the law, it's a terrible broken system and it's wicked in the eyes of God. Now, there are laws against stealing in most places. In my nation, we have people watching from all over, but most places in my nation, there's laws against theft. Now, there, you know, uh, there's one state, is it California? Uh, Suzanne says, everything froze. Not sure. It looks like everything's good on my end. Hopefully. Hopefully so. Uh, is it California that has a, um, has a law now that if you steal less than $900, there's no consequence? So obviously, what does that do? That promotes theft. It promotes theft, right? But the, the, there are laws against stealing. Now, here's what's beautiful about the redemptive power of God. He doesn't just say, here's a law, don't break it. What he says is, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him that is in need. So think about that. The very person that was a thief, that was stealing, now not only just stop stealing, stop breaking the law, now we're going to labor and produce and create and we're going to have more than enough to give away to the person that's in need. That's the beautiful power of redemption. That's what redemption looks like. That's what redemption looks like. It takes you from breaking the law to now fulfilling the law. It takes you from a place of where you were taking to now you're producing. And I think, that's so, I think that is so iconic of what redemption does in, a, in, a life of a, in the person of a believer, in the life of the believer. It takes them from being in a place where they couldn't do it to now they can. Now they make things right. Now verse 29, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification or the building up that it may impart grace to the hearer. That it may impart grace to the hearer. As a Christian, as a believer, you cannot allow words to cross your lips that tear people down. Your words should be filled with grace. I want you to type this in the comments. My words will be filled with grace. Type that in the comments for me. My words will be filled with grace. My words will be filled with grace. There you go, Big Steppa. My words will be filled with grace.
What is grace? Grace is spiritual empowerment. Grace is spiritual empowerment. Grace is something that builds up. Grace is something that empowers the believer. Think about it. You and I, when we receive the grace of God, He's empowering us. It's Romans chapter 6, verse 14 is a great example of this. You know, how grace frees us and empowers us to live above sin. Romans 6, 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. So grace empowers me to live above sin. That which ruled in my life, the dominion of sin, has been crushed by the grace of God when I receive Christ Jesus. I'm made a brand new creation. I'm given a new nature. His Spirit empowers me. I'm given the, His Word that gives me instruction and knowledge of God. My heart's turned toward the Lord. And so now I have a grace, I have a power to live above sin. Well, when you and I as Christians, when we speak, our words should be filled with that grace. Our words should be filled with that grace. We should, it should be filled with grace that builds up. Our words should be like bricks that build up other people that hear it rather than stones that you throw and tear down. <laughs> I mean, how powerful of an illustration is that? Our words should be like bricks that build up, that build up the life of other people. But they should not be like stones that we pitch them against another person to tear them down. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth. We speak the truth. 1 Corinthians 13, 6 says that love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. We speak the truth in love. The book of Galatians. Is it Galatians? Is it 5, 7? I don't remember that off the top of my head. But I believe it is Galatians where it tells us that we speak the truth in love. No, it's not 5, 7. It's 5, 6 tells us that faith works by love. But we speak the truth in love. We, that, that's that's going to bug me now. If you know where that scripture verse is, the reference, put it in the comments. Speak the truth in love. Ah, it's in Ephesians that we're in, 4.15. Thankful for the scholar known as Google. Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. So in the same chapter, is, tell, is telling us to speak the truth in love, to build up. So it's not that we don't speak truth. Well, I'm afraid what they may think. I'm afraid what they may think. I'm afraid what may happen. Maybe I'll get canceled. I, I, you know, TikTok family can go back on my profile. You can look. There's been a, two specific times where I made videos about it on Instagram as well. But how I, you know, just reading the Bible, get hit for hate speech. <laughs> for hate speech. JR, if someone messaged you, it was not me. There is a fake account that if you look closely, they spell the name AJ Biblia with an A, and they added a zero to the handle. So just, uh, just to make this real clear for everyone, I will never message you asking for money for orphanages in exchange for prophetic words over your life. The guy's, a, the guy's a fraud. He's a scam artist. And I've reported the page about 19 times to TikTok. And uh, they keep telling me that he's doing nothing wrong, except that he 
so he, he downloads my videos and puts them up with my image. Anyway, I'll never ask you for money. Maybe chocolate chip cookies, but not money. Our words should be filled with grace, and we should speak the truth in love. I've gotten hit with that. Hate speech, hate speech. What am I doing? Just teaching the Word of God that instructs people in the way of righteousness and in life. But maybe it's not received. It doesn't mean that you don't speak the truth, but when we speak the truth, it should be with a heart filled with love, desiring the best for the hearer so that we can edify and build that person up. All right. Now, let me read this. Colossians chapter 4 concerning about the way we speak because all this is getting up. Several people were saying, uh, well, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? What does that actually mean? We're building a foundation for us to actually understand what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Colossians 4 verse 5 and 6 says this, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Praise God, Olivia. Olivia says on TikTok, Jesus saved my life. Hallelujah. He pulled me out of the dark and freed my soul. Yes, he did. God bless you. So thankful. So thankful for you, Olivia. I'm proud, that, proud of you and glad you're part of the faithful. So notice that in Colossians 4, it tells us to walk in wisdom, redeem the time, and always let our speech be seasoned with grace. Always be with grace, seasoned with salt. So our words, just like you put salt on food and salt actually brings out the taste in food. I didn't learn this until about a year or so ago. But, you know, even like when you bake chocolate chip cookies, they, you throw salt in there. And you're thinking, and at least in my mind, I'm thinking like classic homemade, right out of the oven, chocolate chip cookies. Man, that's probably my favorite dessert of all time is chocolate chip cookies. Probably my favorite food is chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Uh, but you can put, you put salt in the recipe. And even some of my more favorite recipes that I've made lately, a pinch of salt, that's right, John. Even when you take them out, you can just put a little salt on top. And that salt will actually make the taste, the sweetness of the chocolate even more bold, even more vibrant in the recipe. Well, notice this. This is, this is what Warren Wearsby, Bible commentary, he, commentator, he wrote this. The salt of holiness must always flavor our speech, our words. Old Testament Jews used salt in their sacrifices. It symbolized purity and the preservation of that which is good. The Greeks called salt charitas, meaning grace. The same exact word that we translate grace, charitas, is also used for the word salt in the Greek culture of that day because it gave flavor to things. Our speech must not be corrupt. Salt, or God's grace, holds back corruption. Think about that. It wasn't too long ago. It seems like a long time. But in the grand scheme of things, a hundred years ago is not a long time. A hundred years ago or so, we didn't have indoor refrigeration. At best, if you were wealthy enough, you had an ice box where literally it was basically like a cooler that you would put a chunk of ice in and you could keep some of your things, some of your food uh, cool or, or at least not probably frozen at all, but at least cool, uh, much lower than room temperature. My grandfather, so, so think about that. My grandfather, who lived to be 92, he passed away in January of 22. He remembers living in the mountains of Tennessee and having these containers and coolers that they would actually put in the banks of the river that they would put food in because the cold mountain water was so cold it acted like a refrigeration system. Okay, so before refrigerators they might do something like that. 
Or, and my grandfather, he grew up eating salted meat. You could take meat, you could butcher an animal, salt the meat, and put it in a barrel, and it would last for months. It would last for months. Because salt preserves. Salt stops decay. And it's the same exact way for you and I as the believer. So again, we're, we're building this foundation. We do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the way that we live that keeps us from grieving the Holy Spirit is to be salt and light. Type in the comments, I am salt and light. I am salt and light. Now you might think, whoa, now wait a minute. Jesus is salt and light. Well, what did Jesus say? Matthew 5, verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is telling us that we are to be salt, which stops, slows corruption and decay, and we are to be light, which eliminates darkness. When we're there, we're eliminating darkness. But how so? By it, just speaking the truth of God's word with grace, edifying the, the, uh, edifying the believer and warning the unbeliever. And we are to be salt and light. We're to live in such a way that our life that we're living now in Christ is so different. It is so contrasting against the old life that people see Jesus in us. So our words are to edify. They're to be appropriate in every context. And they're supposed to be gracious. Now, let's get to this verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 30, Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So this is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. The Word of God is explicitly, point blank, commanding us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, the word grieve is the same exact word, the Greek word that we transliterate to grieve here in Ephesians 4 is the same word that is transliterated into the English word sorrow. We can actually live in such a way we can allow thoughts to stay in our mind. Now understand Satan, he, he is warring in the battlefield of the mind. When you're saved and born again, your spirit's made alive by the life of God. Your flesh must be crucified daily, and your mind has to be renewed. So Satan, if he's going to war against a believer, 
He's going to do it in the battlefield of the mind or to entice the appetites of the flesh. He's either going to send thoughts your way to try to deceive you, to fill you with fear, to fill you with unbelief, or to make you doubt God. Or he's going to send things across your eyes, words in your ears, through people, through television, through TikTok, through YouTube, through Facebook, temptations that appeal to the appetite of the flesh. And generally this would be sexual sins, right? That appeal to, or it could be emotional things. Get you angry until you sin, Ephesians 4.26, which we're commanded not to. So Satan's going to war through that mind or in the flesh. That's why we crucify the flesh. That's why we renewed the mind. Because there are things that we can actually do that make the Holy Spirit sorrowful. That make the Holy Spirit sorrowful. And I would argue that in verses 25 through 32, there's actually many things that are listed here. Everything that's li- it's not really that like super spiritual and deep. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, verse 25, when we lie. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. So put away lying. When we get angry to the point we no longer control it and we sin, because we if you missed last week's broadcast about giving no place to the devil, TikTok family, click the link tree in my profile. Go to Gospel Tabernacle YouTube channel. You can check out uh, last week's replay. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you just have to scroll back to the previous video. You'll see the thumbnail. Leave no room for the devil. If we lie, we're gonna, it's going to bring sorrow to the heart of the Holy Spirit. If we get angry to the point that it, we allow it to bring us to sin, we're giving place to the devil, and that's bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit. If we're stealing, if we're speaking words that are filled with corruption, that hurts people, that tears people down, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. And you go to 31 and 32, or 31, and it says to put away some more things that we'll look at here in just a minute. But there are things that we can do. There's words that we can say. There's a way that we can live and that we can walk that is not worthy of the call of God on our life as believers, that is beneath our dignity as children of God. There's actually a way that we can live, a way that we can treat people that that brings sorrow and grief to the Holy Ghost. Now look at this. You might think, well, God doesn't get sorrowful. He, he wouldn't feel that way. Genesis 6.6, 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. That's Genesis 6.6, 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Now, why was God sorrowful? Why was God grieved in his heart? Verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent or every thought, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart, of man's heart, was only evil continually, or all the day long. All day long, the people of the earth were imagining 
wickedness and evil and enjoying and fulfilling those imaginations and working out those imaginations. So the people in that day prior to the flood of Noah, when God has to cleanse the earth and leave, but Noah, his wife, his three sons and three daughter-in-laws for them to replenish the earth. Prior to that, man has come to a point of not just sin, sin on rampage, sin on steroids, just sinful. And here's the thing. Jesus said in the last days which we're living, it will be as in the days of Noah where this sin abounds, this wickedness abounds, where murders and hatred and anger abound. And he also said in the days, it will be as in the days of Lot, which of course referring to Sodom and Gomorrah, of sexual perversions of all types and natures and kinds. And Jesus sets us free. Now think about this. Jesus sets us free. The power of salvation sets us free from the slavery of sin. And so we are redeemed from this walk of sin. Again, it's, it's hard to take just... You, it's, you can take a passage of Scripture and study it, yes. But whenever you're studying a passage of Scripture, it's like you have to keep going before that and before that and before that and after that and after that because Scripture is harmonious. Scripture is harmonious. It agrees with itself. It agrees with itself. Kyle, the Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the paycheck for the work of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that God demonstrated His love towards you and me, that while we were yet dead in sin, still sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. Receive the love of God. Confess Jesus as Lord. Believe on Him as the risen Son of God and be made brand new. I love you too much to mince words. There is a real hell and there is a real heaven. Sin brings death and destruction now and all of eternity. But Jesus brings life and eternal life. And yes, for the soul, for the person that refuses to believe on Jesus and continue in their sins, they will be judged eternally in a real literal place called hell. And I love you too much for you to be in that position and to die in your sins. The Bible says the soul that sins must die. But Jesus died in your place if you'll simply receive his gift of salvation by faith. Now, the Lord was sorrowful because the whole world, the whole world was consumed in wickedness. So there's actually a way that we can live that is sorrowful to the Holy Spirit that brings sorrow. And as I was mentioning, you, when you're studying a passage of Scripture, you can go keep going backwards, keep going forwards. If we go just a few verses backwards, what we saw last week, verse 17, or two weeks ago, 17, 18, and 19 says this of Ephesians 4, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk 
as the rest of the Gentiles, the unbelievers, the pagan, the heathen, walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being enlightened from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. Verse 20. And then we're commanded, put off the old man, renew our mind, and put on the new man. So when we put on the new man, which is life in Christ Jesus, which uh, we see here, Ephesians 4, 24, and you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. See, we're to put on the new man that has been created in righteousness and in holiness. Romans, it's Romans um, 13, 11 through 14, that is a corresponding thought to this. Romans 13, 11, and do this, knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly or decently as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the, for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? What is grieving the Holy Spirit? Grieving the Holy Spirit is to live opposite of the nature of God which now infills us. Grieving the Holy Spirit looks like you or I, redeemed children of God, partakers of the divine nature of God, 2 Peter 1.4, having a new life, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away, Behold, all's become new. And then we fall back, make a decision to continue to satisfy the lust of our flesh or to fall prey to the deception of Satan that he flashes across our mind and not take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13 through 14. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So every single thought that comes across our mind, we take it captive and we measure it up against the standard of God's Word. Does this thought that just came across my mind, does it agree with the God's truth? If it doesn't, I execute it, and I no longer allow it to live in my mind. If it does, I meditate on it. Philippians 4.8 tells us to think on what's good, holy, just, righteous, pure, of a good report. Think on these things. Because what we think, what we meditate on, what we believe is going to fill our hearts and what's in our hearts is going to come out of our mouths. Jesus said out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. 
What we meditate on, what we think on, is going to motivate our actions. You know, you, you're going to act on what you actually believe. That's why in James chapter 2, James chapter 2, it says it a couple times, verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. There's a corresponding action to faith. What you actually believe will work itself out in what you do. It's that simple. So how do I grieve the Holy Spirit? I live beneath the truth that I now have in Christ. Ephesians 4.20, I've learned Christ. I have learned Christ. Not learned of Christ. Facts, figures, dates, things about the Lord Jesus. Though you can. It's like, you know, you could learn about Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. You could learn about George Washington, the great general of the American uh, um, army and the American Revolution and then became the first president of the United States of America. You could learn about him. You could know every, you could read every biography about George Washington, but you won't know him because you can't fellowship and have connection with him. But we learn Christ. We fellowship with Jesus. We fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in being connected, being united with him, it's John 15, that we are, he is the true vine and we are branches connected to that vine and his life flows into us and his fruit is born. It bears forth out of us by his power, by his might, by his life. And so for us to live beneath this new life, for us to live beneath the walk of the new man in Christ Jesus, for us to live less than that grieves the Holy Spirit. It brings sorrow to the Spirit of God. And we saw in Genesis 6, God can be sorrowful. Why was God sorrowful in Genesis 6? Because His creation was practicing wickedness. And it's no different when a child of God, instead of living according to the truths of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, sinks back down to that old way of life, of sin, it brings grief to the Holy Spirit. Andrew Murray, I don't have it on hand at this moment. Andrew Murray, he, Andrew Murray was a South African minister in the late 1800s, crossing into the early 1900s. He wrote so many powerful books. I love them. I recommend anything he's written. One of the books he wrote is called Receiving Power from God. In, that in one of the chapters of Receiving Power from God, he makes this statement, and I actually did a podcast episode on this on the Faith for My Generation podcast, an auxiliary of our, our church ministry here, just another way for us to reach more people. But it's a, I release a podcast, two episodes every week. The, Wednesday, or the Thursday episode uh, is always the replays we do here at church. And so it's just another way for us to connect with more people. Many of you that are on TikTok uh, or are part of the faithful, that's how you've got connected is through that podcast channel. Well, I did an episode on the Faith for My Generation podcast entitled The Two Greatest Enemies of the Holy Spirit. I just dropped it this past Monday. And in that, I got it from that, uh, that chapter, that point that Reverend Andrew Murray makes. And he says this, The two greatest en enemies of the Holy Spirit is worldliness and sin. Worldliness and sin. 
Now, no one should want to grieve the Holy Spirit. But if you made a decision, which why would you? But just for illustration's sake, if you made a decision, I want to grieve the Holy Spirit, then engulf yourself, consume yourself with worldliness, wickedness, the spirit of this age, the spirit of error, and self. Live only for yourself. Satisfy the lust of your flesh. Satisfy the lust of your eyes. Satisfy the pride of life. Because if you want to bring grief to the Holy Spirit, serve the spirit of this world and serve the kingdom of self. Because it's in those two things. I mean, 1 John 4 tells us that. We, we, we know 1 John 4 that tells us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Well, who is in the world? 1 John 4, verse 6, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth. That's the greater one that's in us, the Holy Spirit, and the spirit of error. The spirit of error in this world is the spirit of Antichrist. So literally, Antichrist. The spirit that is opposite of Christ is the spirit of error. Not the man, the Antichrist, he's yet to be revealed. The man of the man Antichrist in the book of Revelation. He's yet to be revealed. But the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of error, lives in this world. And it promotes, it promotes wickedness and deception. Melissa Johnson says, I'm enjoying the podcast Pride Before Fall series. Hey, I'm so thankful that you're watching and listening or listening to that, Melissa. It was a, it was a really, really good one. If you didn't catch The Honor Comes Before Humility, uh, go and listen to that one afterwards. I think that they're, they have to be listened to together. I think they're awesome. Uh, they're powerful. I'm not trying to build myself up. I think they're awesome, these podcasts that I did. The teaching, what I learned from teaching those was awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, worldliness. The spirit of this world is the spirit of error, and he is the opposite of Christ. And then there's self. Jesus told us in Mark chapter 8 and in, in the book of Matthew, no one's going to follow me unless he first denies himself. Let me read that. I want to read that word for word. We're, we're going to finish up here in just a few minutes. But Mark chapter 8, listen to this. Mark 8, 34. Then he, said, then he called the people to himself with his disciples also, and he said to them, Whoever des desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel... They'll save it. So you have, there, is, there is this what's called the denial of self. It's not that you hurt and abuse your physical body or I'm never going to have anything I ever want in my life and I'm going to live the worst life ever. It's not that. It's I'm submitting me, all of me, under the Lordship of Christ. I'm renewing my mind to His truths. I'm crucifying my flesh and putting it under the dominion of righteousness so that what I think glorifies God, what I say glorifies God, and what I do glorifies God. And then with a renewed heart or a brand new heart in Christ, being made new, a renewed mind and a crucified body, the desires of my heart are filled, up, filled by God. They're filled by God. He gives us the desires of our heart. And it's of the heart that's been made new in Christ Jesus. That's why you don't have to be... Some people say, well, if, if, how do you know He's going to give you all the desires of your heart? What if they're not things that He desires? Your heart's been changed. My heart's been changed. 
And if I ask for something that's not in line with the will of God, the Holy Spirit is going to convict me. He's going to lovingly correct me. Hebrews 12. Those that are corrected are sons of God. Because if you're not corrected, you're not a son. So if I get off the path for a moment, if you get off the path for a moment, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you and lovingly bring you back in. But if I make a decision to willfully, purposefully go against what I have received, the knowledge of God, I'm going to grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly the opposite of what I want to do. Now let's finish this up here in just a few minutes. Verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So notice that there's some more things we're to put away. You can read through just this section of Ephesians, and there's probably a dozen, dozen and a half type of characteristics that show someone who is not walking the walk of the new man following Jesus. When I follow Jesus... I look different. I want you to put that in the comment section. When I follow Jesus, I look different. Type that in the comments for me. When I follow Jesus, I look different. When I follow Jesus, I look different. You and I, when we're following Christ, we look different to the world. We become witnesses, signposts on the road of life that points people to the saving power of God. We talk different. We think different. We act different. We look different. The verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God in even as God in Christ forgave you. So a few more commands. Hey Jennifer, glad to have you on. Hope you're having a good day today. Ephesians 4:32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's walking in love. That's walking in love and that's teeing me up for next Thursday's broadcast. Next Thursday, 11 a.m., Walk in Love. That's the next study we're going to look at. Next Thursday. So before we finish up here, if you've not subscribed, if you're not following, please do. That way you can join us next Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for Walk in Love. If you're listening to the podcast, if it's already a week later, go check out the next episode. But notice that, verse 32, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Now that's real love. That's real love. That's the God kind of love. The God kind of love loves first. The God kind of love loves first. It loves without requirement. It loves without, quote unquote, the other person deserving it. Yes, hey, I'm glad that you're listening at work. Glad to be there at work with you. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you. 
so you also must do. Not should, not it's a good idea, not if you get around to it. You must, you must do it. We must forgive. We have to walk in forgiveness. I wrote this, the greatest example of, of one who forgives is God himself. He sent his son to die in our place before we asked for forgiveness. The moment sin entered the earth and dominated mankind, God promised redemption would come. That's in Genesis 3.15. Let us forgive even before we're ever asked to. And so, in order to not grieve the Holy Spirit, we're to walk in love. To walk in love. Peanut's mom says, Is abortion a sin? Can it be forgiven? Well, I believe that every life is life created by God. And so whether the life is taken in the womb or outside the womb, that is a destruction and a taking of that life that is created in the image of God. So yes, can it be forgiven? Of course. All sins can be forgiven. Moses, I mean not to make light of it because it seems like him so far away, it doesn't seem like maybe not as real to us, but Moses was a murderer. Yet God forgave him, and he led a nation, a nation out of slavery and into the promised land and into the things of God. So I believe in the sanctity of life. I believe that every life is treasured by God. I believe that every single person that's watching, that's listening, even if, you know, at this point, you firmly believe that you hate my guts. <laughs> I still believe and know that you are made in the image of God that God loves you, He cares for you, and He made a way for you to be saved. He made a way for you to be redeemed. And so we always, as Christians, we should take a bold stand against sin. We certainly shouldn't be doing it ourselves. We, we certainly, certainly should not be living in sins. And we should take a bold stand against sin sin because sin is satan controlling hurting harming destroying people and we that have been redeemed and made brand new we too should desire we too should desire to see people set free made alive and redeemed in fact if you're watching and you've never put your faith in the lord jesus christ Love you, Mr. Donnie. Glad that you're on. If you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Right now is your moment to receive the saving power of God. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you're watching and listening, you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, or at some point in time you did, but you know you've walked away from God, you've grown lukewarm in your walk with God, and your heart's not right. It doesn't matter. Wherever you're at, if you're in a place where you want to make things right with God, whether the first time or to repent and come back to Christ, now is the day of salvation. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it doesn't stop there. The good news is 
that Christ became a sacrifice. He died to pay for the sins of the world that whoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, the work of sin, the paycheck, the reward for the working of sin is death, eternal death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when we believe in our heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you want to enter into the goodness of God, the abundance of God's life, if you want to be saved, cleansed, washed clean, purified, and made brand new, have your name written down in the Lamb's book of life, have your eternity settled in heaven, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask for forgiveness. I repent of my sins. Wash me clean by the blood of Christ. For I believe that Jesus is the risen Son of God. And I confess He is Lord and He is my Lord. I ask you, Lord, to make me brand new, to fill me with your life, to make me alive forevermore by the power of the Holy Spirit. I surrender all I am to you all the days of my life. I'll live for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, Jennifer. I'm so glad that you did. I'm so thankful that you prayed that prayer. And next time we see you, we'll give you one of Pastor's book, Bible, Bible Basics for Spirit-Filled Believers. It's a great study guide that you can take, work through it with you and your Bible and your family, and go through it and study it and see what God says about who you are now that you've received Jesus and how to live this new kind of life. If anyone that's watching and listening, whether now in the live stream or the replay, if you prayed that prayer with me, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, look in the comments. I just posted a link. Click on it, fill out the form, and I'll send you a free gift that will help you become a strong believer. Those that are watching on TikTok, if you prayed that prayer, go to my profile, click on the link tree, and there's a tab that says, I just got saved. Click there, fill out the form, and I will mail you for free a gift that will bless you and make you a strong disciple, make you a strong believer. Completely free. I just want to see you grow in your walk with God. I want to see you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and become a strong Christian. And when we do that, we are making a decision to not grieve the Holy Spirit. We're making a decision to not grieve the Holy Spirit. Justin G on TikTok says, What makes hell necessary? God is just. He is holy. He is righteous. The Bible says over and over and over and over again, God is holy. For God to be holy, that means there has to be consequence for the breaking of law. And there are laws in the earth that are written on the hearts of men. There are things that I do or you do and we know when they're just wrong. And when we willingly persist in those wrong things, that's called sin, there must be a consequence for that sin. And the eternal consequence for sin that we refuse to repent of 
is hell because God is just, He is holy, and He's loving. If God truly is loving, then He also is just. If God is truly loving, He is just. The Bible actually tells us, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, that God made hell for Satan and his angels. That was the original intention for hell. Why did he make hell for Satan and his angels? Because Satan, along with all those angels, transgressed the law of God. As, Mich- uh, as Michelle put, or I think it was Miss Melissa that put in the comments, go check out the series we did, Pride Comes Before Destruction. We talked about that in the first episode. What is pride? And then we looked at Lucifer. Satan lifted himself up in pride, and he fell, and it brought destruction. So God creates hell, a place where Satan will be. He's not there yet. He will be punished for all of eternity. Him and those that followed him, those angels. Well, when people make a decision to follow Satan, they're going to end up in the same place that he's going. But you don't have to. The gospel is being preached right now. You don't have to. You can repent and believe on Christ and be saved. Hey, John, glad to have you on. Candace says, what if I accidentally sin again? 1 John 1. Man, I love the Bible. It's got every answer to every single question. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you sin, repent. Ask for forgiveness. Believe that you receive that forgiveness and He will cleanse you, He'll forgive you, and wash you clean. See, you don't have to be so fearful or fretful that, oh, what if I'm going to do something and I don't even know I did it or I'm going to fall into sin. The Holy Spirit, when you believe on Jesus, you're made brand new and the Spirit of God infills you. And the Holy Spirit, He is our helper. John 14, 15 and 16, Jesus teaches on the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He leads us. He guides us. He gives us instruction. He directs our paths, but he also convicts us. When we do something wrong and you're like, oh, mm, nah, I shouldn't have done that. Nope, I should not have done that. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you shouldn't have done that. And so what do we do? God, forgive me. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. And help me never do that again. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you sin against someone, the Bible instructs us not just ask for forgiveness from God, but if you're able to, go ask that person for forgiveness. Go ask for that. If the Holy Spirit brings something up to your heart, you are never, you are never going to regret following the leading and the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're never going to regret following the leading and the voice of of the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm so thankful for you. I pray you have a great rest of the day. Again, if you take me up on that offer, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you rededicated your life, fill out that form. We want to bless you. We want you to be a part of the faithful, a part of this group of believers that's studying the Word of God and doing all that we can to live 
all out for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you before we leave today. Father, I pray for every single person that's watching and listening that's put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would empower us and embolden us, God, to be strong witnesses, to lead others to Christ, to lead others to this well of life that we have now drunk of, Lord God. And we never want to grieve the Holy Spirit, God. We want to walk pure and holy and clean so that we might always bring you joy in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for everyone that's watching and listening that isn't a believer, some mockingly watching. Lord, I thank you that you love them, you care for them, and the blood of Christ was spilled on their behalf too if they would but just receive it by faith. So we pray according to your word, Father, send forth laborers. This, this teaching, these these lives, but also other people in their vicinity. Send forth laborers that would tell them the truth of God's word, that they would constantly hear the word of God, be convicted by the Holy Spirit, and eventually their hard hearts would crumble and that they would receive Christ Jesus and enter into the goodness of God and into his eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you believe it, type amen. I'm thankful for you. Someone asked, when do we go live? Thursdays, 11 a.m., Eastern Standard Time on all the platforms, Gospel Tabernacle, Facebook, YouTube, and X, and on the personal TikTok. Make sure you follow. We're about to shut it down here in just a second. I'm thankful for you. Do not miss next week. It's going to be a good one. We're going to learn how to walk in love. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.